Hello and welcome to the Franchise Tag Podcast Show with me, your host, Freddie Hort. Andrew Manning is back. Not Eli, not Peyton, but Andrew Manning is back with us after his lovely honeymoon, his lovely time away. Apologies for whatever happened a couple of minutes ago. Buttons went awry. We were on, we were off, we were live, we weren't. We didn't know what was going on, so we deleted that, started that all again. And this is the actual proper podcast. Now, Andrew, I know you've been away and you had a good time, but and but you're lucky because last week I was down in the dumps, man. I mean, the Steelers were trash against the Bills. My fantasy football team was awful. But this week, I'm a new man, mate. I'm a new man. You've returned. The Steelers beat the Bucks at the weekend. My fantasy team won. The, the normality has just now ensued. I'm back in my Zen zone. I'm enjoying the NFL again. You've got the good, Freddie, this week, rather than this horrible monster that was on last weekend's show. Yeah, fingers crossed we keep the uh, good Freddie as well. Then hopefully the Steelers can continue to progress on what they've done and we uh, we keep a smile in Freddie. But yeah, it's good to be back. Um, and it's great to watch football at the minute. You know, if you're if 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 you're one of those supporters of a team that's been rubbish for a long time, you're starting to have something to smile about. It seems to be a bit of a, a turn in fate for the, like most teams are three and three. You know, there's something to when you get to Sunday, it's it anyone can win. It's good to watch. It's uh, it's fantastic for all the fans at the moment. I mean, you're very correct there. You put that in our chat over this week. It's 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 almost upsetting that there's not Adam here and a few other guys on who 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 aren't uh, usually come on the pod. You know, the Steelers win, the Giants beat the Ravens in a close game, the Jets beat the Green Bay Packers, which would be the Adam would be the only one that was upset. I mean, Gareth, the Eagles won. Um, um, who else? The Colts um, won as well. That'd be for George. Uh, Byron's Buffalo Bills won. I mean, the Tinchers Raiders win. They were on bye week. They were on a bye week, so that's a win for them. That's better than playing. Um, so really, it would only be a very sad Adam that we'd have today. But I think you're right. Like it truly is such open NFL season, isn't it? I mean, what what was your big take from the games? Obviously, I know you're away. Get your finger on the pulse a little bit, but I'm sure this weekend was the first time you've prop- you've watched the whole games after they're doing the Sunday preview show as well. Yeah, I mean, my big one for this uh, this week, um, there's been a lot of love for a lot of the underdog teams. There's a lot of people talking about the Giants. There's a lot of people talking about Eagles, the Jets. Um, I know that, you know, these teams that have, have managed to get a bit of the limelight because of how well they're doing. But there's a team still out there for me that everyone expects them to be the worst team in the NFL. And for me, I think they're holding their own and looking at their fixtures I think they've got some some good stuff to come. And that's the Atlanta Falcons. You know, mm-hmm. they've won the last three of their four games. Um, and Mariota seems to be able to do it with that young team that he's got, despite they've lost uh, Cordell Patterson in the backfield. When you look at their fixtures that they've got coming up as well, you know, they've already beat the Seahawks who were doing well, the Browns who were tough. They beat a very, very good 49ers defense. You know, Mariota's played excellent against them. And they've got, bar the Bengals next week, they've got Panthers, Chargers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders, your Steelers, Saints, Ravens, struggling Cardinals. Mm. They've got some favourable matches. You know, let's give these guys some props. They're not the worst team in the NFL that everybody thought they were going to be. Do you think that Mariota maybe got a bit of bad press when joining the Falcons? Because, you know, there was so many quarterback movement over the offseason. 
and big names moving, you know, the Russell Wilson trade, lots of players moving around. And they had Matt Ryan, older Matt Ryan, admittedly, had him on a large contract for a long time. I was saying they should move on from him because his contract was so large. And I do believe when you have someone that age with such a large contract, it is only going to be a detriment to your team. But Ryan's gone over to the Colts. It, it, it's working, not well maybe at times, but it's working, I suppose. And then Mariota came in for the Falcons. They also drafted Desmond Ridder, and there was almost like a, well, Ridder could start at some point. Mariota, okay, didn't really, it, it was a shame what happened with the Titans. It just never really became his team. He went over to the Raiders, of course, and sort of played a little bit there. Um, sort of did the Mitch Trubisky thing as well, moved different teams, sort of maybe built his confidence a little bit in a Raider team. But yeah, okay, was was a crazy organization but by the time he you know the end of that season they were playing really well without John Gruden there he's coming to this team never been an amazing throw of the ball but been all right fairly athletic has been a very you know beige quarterback I suppose do you think that that the expectation of him at the start year was that he would do badly or well or or what do you think was the scenario for him for this season I mean I I personally think before the season for me it was just a bridge season uh a bit of a throwaway season put mariota in there if he performs well he performs well if he doesn't it doesn't matter and i feel like that's the position that that they were in and no one really expected them to do anything and you know if all else failed they could look back at the draft but for me looking at the falcons now i think they're in an absolutely like great position for their franchise the fact Mm. that mariota has managed to do what he's do so far done so far and not knowing yet what you've got in Ridder, who's a very, very good prospect, I think if they can continue on the trajectory that they're on, they'll be able to look at the draft next year and not have to go, we need to go and get one of those superstar quarterbacks. I think they can mm. sit on Mariota and develop Ridder as much as they can behind him mm. uh, and, and, and really work on those other areas of maybe getting a, uh, a pass rusher, put getting so they've got that because that's what they're lacking the most of. And there's some great ones in the draft next year. So they're really looking at strengthening because they've got Drake London. They've got Kyle Pitts. I think at quarterback, they might have something with the two guys they've got there to, for the future. So I just think they've set themselves up nicely and playing some nice ball at the moment is, is gives you something to, to look forward to with this franchise rather than I thought it was just going to be doom and gloom and mm. back to the drawing board and, uh, and and see where they were at and maybe get another quarterback and a bit of a cycle that was not really going to push them forward. But I can see them moving forward now, which is great. And do you think, um, obviously, the offence we've talked about a little bit there, but AJ Terrell, who was phenomenal last year, there was quite, I, I've always had my question marks over him. He's sort of been like a late bloomer, I suppose. Not late bloomer in terms of age, but he didn't exactly hit year one, two, and then he's sort of come in to his own a little bit. Do you think he's just picked up where he's left off and, and is playing at an elite level? Would you put him in the top bracket of, of top cornerbacks in the league at the minute? Yeah, I'd, I'd still have that conversation about him. I think he's got a few years. He can't do it off of one. You can't have one great year mm. and then say you're elite. You know, you have one great year and everyone can say you're a great talent and you're a good prospect. He needs mm. to continue that back to back. So we'll evaluate him at the end of this year and see if he produced the same numbers. And then you're saying, wow, this is the guy. This is the new generation of mm. cornerback. Because, you know, cornerbacks tend to stay around for quite a while. If you're, if you're one of the elite guys, you stay in the game for quite a bit. They rotate you in and out. You know, uh, there's still a few names from when 
back when you were first getting into it that are still there. So I think in terms of development from him, he just needs to continue on the trajectory he is. And, and he cements the fact that they've got a good cornerback. I think their issue is pass rush. Uh, they're not getting enough pressure. But that's it. like I said, it's, isn't it such a nice thing for them to build on? And uh, as a fan, you've got some optimists for the, the future, which is great. And even when they get to the quarterback, it gets flagged for roughing the quarterback, which was so ridiculous. We didn't really mention that in last, year, last week's episode, but I take it you've seen the highlight of it. Like, what a joke that was. Yeah, there's, one, there's, one every week. there's one every week, isn't there? There's always a really terrible decision on roughing the pass. I think there was one in the in the Broncos game as well, wasn't there, this week? Um, that's mm. just, uh, you know, I don't know what's really going on with these roughing the passer uh, calls at the minute. And in their division, I mean, I, I was actually, I've done those and, and was going to talk about another team in their division because it is an interesting division. We thought the books would run away with it a little bit. They haven't. The Saints could be anyone on their day, but could easily lose to anyone on their day. The Falcons are getting better. And then I suppose it's a good transition. We'll stick in the AFC South there for, for the time being is I've got the Panthers who just seem to be crumbling. It seems to be, we were talking about last year that they should be a team that is young, that is hungry, but could really develop and become that better team. We said that alongside the Arizona Cardinals. And again, I think we sort of believe that, however, with the quarterback thing. Um, but it just it just feels like they're not really getting a grip on this. They've already got rid of uh, Matt Rule, their coach. They've fired him still. Steve Wilkes has taken over, who have, has coached a head coach before position with the Arizona Cardinals in 2018 but one and five at the minute lose to the Browns lose to the Giants both close games only lost by two to the Browns and lost by um three to the Giants they then beat the Saints 22 to 14 lost to the Cards however I haven't got the score line because I've just put 26 26 which obviously it wasn't so but uh, the Cards won that anyway and they lost to the 49ers got trounced by them 37 to 15 and then lost to the Rams last weekend 24 to 10. And then Robbie Anderson has a spat with Steve Wilkes and he's traded the Cardinals for very low picks, a sixth and a seventh, ones this year, this year, and ones the year after. Ones next year, and then ones the year after that. I can't remember which way around it is. There is massive rumours going around of DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey being traded out, which again we'll talk about in a minute. Um, this young team, Andrew, was meant to be they, they were drafting really well. They brought players in. Okay, the quarterback scenario wasn't working out, but when you look around at the team, you think, well. If quarterback's the only thing wrong, then, then we're going to do okay. We're still going to be in games. I mean, what, what's your opinion on the, the Carolina Panthers at the minute? Because it's a shame for me because I've, I've loved their drafting every year. Yeah, their drafting's been great. And having Matt Rule there, who's come from a college background, who should work really well with youngsters, but it's just not really worked very well there. And I think they've kind of stuck in a little cycle like the Giants were a couple of seasons ago where they're just making excuses uh, because they've got the talent on the field. You know, they sacked their offensive coordinator in light of saying, oh, you know, it's not Matt Rule, it's the offensive coordinator, so out he goes. Then they carry on with Matt Rule and it doesn't really work, and then they sack him, you know. They've got some great talent, but they're for me, they're probably the, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team at the moment, because it's uh, it's only doom and gloom for them. Like we said, they, they're on about offloading all of their players. So it's almost like six games in, they've hit reset on the whole season already and said, let's reset our whole franchise uh, on a franchise that we thought had already started the rebuild. Um, so there's, luckily for them, the big players that they've got, they've got a good capital in them and they might be able to do 
some good business with those players to, to build on that future. And they, like we said, they have got good youngsters. So it's not all doom and gloom for them for the future. They've not nailed that quarterback position correctly. They've had, uh, I think that's been their downfall of the last few years. They've swapped and changed at that quarterback role so many times and never really hit. They need to cement that position next year and then and, and build from there with the youngsters they've got. Because they're twenty sixth in, in overall offense, twenty seventh in passing, twenty fourth in rushing, which is is low for rushing. You thought, but then again, Christian McCaffrey has been so injury prone. However, he is twelfth in the league with three hundred ninety three yards, two touchdowns. But I, you know, we all said that Baker wasn't the answer to this cute quarterback scenario. Sam Donald wasn't working out. Bringing in Baker, that was not going to work out. It, well, not that it wasn't going to work out, but it wasn't going to set the world on fire. We knew what Baker could do, and actually, this team very much suited what Baker could do because he was fairly successful in a Cleveland team, but could run the ball really well and had one or two star wide receivers and a decent defense. The argument was the same here when he came to Carolina. You've got a really great an elite running back, pretty decent wide receivers and a decent defense. The defense hasn't stepped up this year. It's 24th ranked defense. It, it always feels like it's every year, it, the last three years has been, it's going to step up this year. It's going to step up this year. And it's just not, ever seeming to step up and there's names on that team good names brian burns one that a really elite edge rusher when he when he wants to be and uh well names all over the park really um do you think there was almost a vibe of baker coming in that it, it would solve their problems or do you think that this was just always going to be a risk because david tepper the owner is who's a very new owner in carolina has been quite infamous for chopping and changing and impatience i suppose so what what do, what's your opinion there um looking looking at where their roster was at and again going back to where we first started this conversation of saying they have some really good pieces they've got some nice wide receivers they've got a good run game baker mayfield for me wasn't uh it was a risk but it wasn't uh bad like it's gone so far for me you know what you can get out of him. You know you can get a bit of stability. You know you can get uh, above average from him. So with the weapons that they've got, on paper, that should have worked. It should have stabilised them a bit more than what it has done. Instead, it's had the reverse effect. And now it's just chaos there where they say, like I said, get rid of everybody, get all, rid of all the coaches, rid of all your players. There's people shouting at each other on the sideline. It's just not what you want to see from an organization, especially when we started the show talking about how well um, everybody's doing. They, they seem to be in a bit of disarray, which is a bit of a shame. Hmm. And in regards to DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, this trade, the, well, the trade rumors that are flying around, I mean, it could be a whole load of nonsense. It could be a whole load of nothing, but that would be really boring for us to say, but we don't believe it's going to happen. So we're going to have to theorize here. Firstly, what sense does it make to trade them? And what would, I mean, this is probably a three-part really. What sense is it to trade them? Who would you think they could be traded to? And what do you think their return should be? Well, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, with, if, if he stays healthy and looks good and plays well, you know what you've got out of him. And there's a lot of teams out there, such as the Rams and the Bills, which are pushing for a Super Bowl. You know, I, I know the Rams haven't started off very well, but if they want to get back on that track, they're going to be attractive to these guys. And when they're as, as attractive to like the Bills, who are looking to go to that Super Bowl, 
then they're going to overpay on on people like that. So the the value in in the superstars is going to be there, um, and the, and the value to uh, the Panthers is reducing your wage bill and looking to the future and the draft and getting some capital and building on something that hasn't worked. So you've got these guys in the building at the minute. You've had them for a little bit of a time and it's not working. So get them at the highest value you've got them, mm. offload them at the highest value you can possibly have for them and, and, and bring in some new blood and push forward and get a bit of cap space, get the veteran, maybe get a few veterans on the cheap for that defense to guide the youngsters and maybe gel it together and, and have a bit of performance. But like I said, they're quite high value. DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, very high value players. And there's teams out there. Green Bay Packers need a wide receiver. Bills need a running back. Rams need a running back. There's value to, for them to be had on big teams. So they might go out and get them. But do you not think there's any sense in the fact that the Panthers carry on the way they are could potentially have the first pick? Potentially. Or they're going to be in the top three at least. If they carried on on what they were doing now. I mean, it would take... Quite a dramatic turnaround for you not to be in the top ten picks now. With the quarterback knowledge that yourself has, and I've, I've, I can only scratch the surface on the quarterbacks that are coming out of college, but I know obviously how many guys you know that are coming through the college system that are going to be in this draft, and it is a very quarterback-heavy draft this this season coming up. Surely you could keep these players, and your capital is going to go down anyway because you're going to be you can draft the next star probably whether you'd be the first pick or the fifth pick really because there is so many good quarterbacks coming out do, do what so in terms of i'd know where it makes sense with getting they are high value now they are probably at the peak of their what you can get back but at the same time you could go and get in at the elite quarterback in your future and still keep these guys on the book and your wages are probably still okay at, at, at the right levels no, not really, because they're not, those people that you're on about offloading are, and are going to be high contract players, aren't they? Mm. And we're saying there's so many holes that need to fill, and it hasn't worked for these guys yet. Mm. So what you know, you go out and get that quarterback, you go out and get that youngster, you're surrounding him with players that haven't worked. You're essentially walking yourself into a a, a Chicago Bears situation where your young quarterback is just being left to fail um, mm. and that, that can't be the situation if you go in and get in a franchise quarterback in the draft. It's a bit of a shame for Matt Corral who they've got on the books um, <laughs> who I really like but when there's the guys that are going to be on the board by the time that if the, the, it looks like they are going to be in that top five pick you can't turn down the opportunity to go out and get one of those uh, guys out of college this year. Uh, it could really turn them around and, and build something new around them rather than living off the past with these players that haven't worked for you. Do you think also with an eye to the future, they went for the college route with a coach well, last time when, and, and brought in Matt Rule from college. Do you think their strategy changes this year when they look around at people like Brian Dayball, who's gone to the Giants and, and seems to be working, there seems to be a plan there. Do you think he's, I mean, Eric, Eric Biennemi, the OC at uh, Kansas City Chiefs, has always, always been... The rumored guy. I mean, you've still got people like Brian Flores on the Pittsburgh Steelers team, admittedly, but only as a linebacker coach. I think there's a bit more for him to come really in Pittsburgh. I think this is just maybe the start for him. But if, if they're sniffing around again, do you think this time they they should be going the more experienced head coach route? 
yeah, they're not going to get one of the massive names out of college. Uh, they're just not going to budge. I think and they're happy with where they are. So I wouldn't take the risk of bringing in someone new uh, to try and guide them because you're just trying to learn youngsters learning with new college head coaches. It, it, it's it's not it's not a, it's not a correct rebuild for me. They need to bring in an old head or someone that's been within an organisation that's winning, um, mm. such as the names that you've just said, like and install an NFL culture. It's what we've said a lot pre-season with stuff. If you haven't got a culture, then you can't move forward. The Giants now have a, a culture and you can see it with Dayball. Uh, we saw that, like we said, with Detroit, despite the fact that they're still struggling a bit, there's a culture there and there's still something that you like about it. They need that, don't they? And I think you're only getting that from someone who's been within the NFL mm. for a new, numerous years on winning sides. So I think they've got to go and get get themselves one of these guys from an NFL team that is offensive-minded as well, I think. I think you need, the, the way that the league is going, you need offensive head coaches. So I think they go out and get one of those guys. Speaking, I suppose this is it's quite a good transition, I suppose, and you're not entirely prepped for this, I, I mean, but it is a good transition. With Robbie Anderson going to the Arizona Cardinals, obviously it's come out of a Marquise Brown's injury, Hollywood Brown's injury, looks like he's going to be out for the season now. But that also spells the return of DeAndre Hopkins, who has been who was suspended. He's going to be returning for the Cardinals. A team that is in need of a bit of a spark, I think, and needs a bit of a needs the their elite guys on the field. They're, they're running thin at running back at the minute. Um, a few injuries there. The defense is playing okay. I mean, I'm not sure what overly what their record is at the minute, but um how how good is it going to be to see? Well, they lost to the card. They lost to the Seahawks nineteen to nine, and and struggled in that game as well. I remember the highlights now. Um, going two and four so far in a division which has not been as exciting as we all thought it was going to be. Let's just say that with the Rams, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, how important is it for for them to get their their key man on offense back? Yeah, the, I don't know for the Cardinals. For me. Um... I've been I've been worried about this point for them for the last couple of years. Last year I was very worried about it and they managed to prove me wrong during the start of the season. But I did say I don't think they can hold off for a whole year. And it's mm. now just imploded because they've lost some key names and not really replaced them. And I just think that they've missed their chance. I think they've missed mm. their chance and they're not the team that they used to be. And there's far too many holes on that team now. So... It was working. It was clicking with Marquise Brown and he was putting up some good numbers. So the fact that he's now out and you're just replacing him with Hopkins, who's not played yet this mm. year, I don't think it adds a spark. And I don't obviously does add value mm. to DeAndre Hopkins, but you've just like for like replaced and it hasn't worked with the other guys around them. Like you say, they are running thin now with just, you know, Benjamin who took, who picked up an injury as well during the game at running back. So every single one of their running backs is injured. Kyler Murray seems to be scrambling around and a lot more again. And we said before the season started, that needed to stop. We said, if he's the guy to watch and he's the guy um, to propel this team, he needs to stop scrambling around and, and making stuff out of nothing and, and be more of that solid quarterback making the decisions and use that scrambling around only on, on magical occasions. Uh, so for me, I think it's kind of collapsed a little bit of the Cardinals and they they need to now look at what they can 
do for the future. The, The game that they played this weekend, I said it on the preview show, if you can't get up to win that game in a division that's struggling, no one's really clearly winning that division. If you can't get up and beat the Seahawks, then I think you're behind the other three in that division. Uh, and that's not a good situation to be in. So mm. the Cardinals really need to do something big there, not just get some spark. Um, to, to now flip on this, I suppose, because um, it's just come through, I believe Adam's just put it in our group, actually, is that um, a link to the round the NFL and it's then links into the NFL.com. But Russell Wilson's undergoing an MRI on his hamstring. It could be fairly significant per, per uh, Tom Palacero, as we know from NFL Network. Um we have talked about them, Rob, because I mean, I, I'm sort of, I feel like this episode maybe feels like a bit of repetition from myself from the last few weeks, but because you've not been here, it, it it's nice to have your opinion to bring your side of the story of it. I mean, the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, I mean, losing to the Chargers last night and, and I saw the, the last field, the field goal in overtime and Hopkins does it with one leg, pretty much he's so injured and still manages to get it through the sticks. Uh, Denver Broncos going to two and four now, and Russell Wilson maybe with a significant injury here. I mean, how are we doing for the Denver Broncos? Because this it feels like fairly close to the Carolina Panthers in that sense of when you talk about their squad, and but they've got the quarterback, but it's just not felt like the quarterback considering how elite Russell Wilson is and how excited we all were for him to go over to Denver. How unimpressed have you been with the Broncos? Yeah, there's something really off there. I've I've spoke about it a couple of times. spoke spoke about it with Adam on on Sunday. Um, really, they're so uninspiring to watch, and they're really bad to watch. And it's such a shame because their defense is playing so well, and they're wasting what is good defensive play. Uh, and I think it's the defense that's getting them through the, the couple of victories that they that they have had in this. But when you look at that game, uh, you've really got to look at the two uh, coaches in charge, Staley and Hackett in the Chargers and the, and the Broncos and go, they're miles behind the other guys in terms of where they should be looking after Chargers and Broncos who were deemed to be roster worthy of, of, of getting to the playoffs and winning. They just seem out of their depth with mm. those franchises. Um, and the first half, we saw a bit more, a glimpse of more of what, uh, we saw from Russell Wilson. I don't think they're in a Panthers situation. I remember Adam telling me, well, I was I was real keen on this decision and what the Broncos could do, and I was on the hype, and he said, calm down a little bit. I think it will take a year for them to click. And they've mm-hmm. got enough youngsters within that team, all across the board on defence and offence, with a mixture of some of the veterans, that are not veterans that are going to be out of the game next year. So I think maybe we give it a year with this team and uh, see how it goes. The injury to Russell Wilson, we'll have to see how bad it is. Uh, But I think we saw a couple of glimpses of his old self in the first half. And in the second half, there was nothing from the Broncos, like nothing whatsoever. Um, I think think if you had a look at their net yardage for uh, the second half, it's um, (laughs) like ports. But um, yeah. I think Russell Wilson is not, I, don't, I personally don't think he's washed. Uh, a lot of people keep asking me that question. I just think he's put too much pressure on himself. Uh, knowing what Manning did when he moved up, we've managed to mention a Manning on the Manning returns. <laughs> uh, what Manning did when he moved from the Colts to the Broncos and it worked, mm. I think there's too much pressure on Russell Wilson to do a similar thing straight away. 
Um, and I think you're just looking at him and he's, he's forcing too much and not playing with ease. Uh, and I think he just needs to relax if he if he gets the chance to play more relax and just do him uh, and give it a year. Don't try and win it all this year and prove that this was the move to to win it all. Give it give it a couple. He's got the contract to be there longer. Mm. Settle into the team, get used to it, just relax. And if it doesn't work this year, take the positives. Like I've always said, if you're in a team that you want to build with, look at the positives to build on the on the next year. I think there's too much pressure there for him to go in and, and win it all straight away. And he's carrying that and you can see it uh, in the way that he's playing. So uh, I'm not massively worried there. I just um, just think it will take a year. You made a really interesting point to sort of start out this conversation with the coaching, because I, I've just been thinking about it. And you, you're very right in Brandon Staley and Nathaniel Hackett, very similar in the sort of scenarios they're in. Very good franchises, good quarterbacks. And yeah, it's a tale, it's a tale of two teams, isn't it? Because when you look at the Chargers, they're not blowing out the teams. They're not always winning big games. And you don't really hear much of people having to go at Herbert about that. And I wouldn't say that people overly have a go at Brandon Staley about it. But there's, I'd say the finger points more towards coaches rather than players with the Chargers sometimes. Whereas at Denver, all the conversation has been about how bad Russ is. And yet, Nathaniel Hackett doesn't seem to be getting really any flack it feels like in the general social media world and the news world anyway i mean i'm sure there is more there is articles out there that are, that are putting more of a microscope on this but what, what's your take on that with the coaches because it is very similar and do it doing maybe not sort of appreciate that coach aspect enough because brandon said has only been a what the charge what two three years first head coaching job nathaniel hackett first head coaching job first year at the, at the broncos obviously after being the green bay oc there What's your take on this with the coaches? Because there is very similar scenarios and yet very different aspects, I suppose, of, of what the of, of what is being magnified. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, for me, I'm not sure how he's got the job. His CV doesn't warrant going to take over the Broncos and the roster they've got. I spoke in depth with this with Adam. Um, he's come from the Green Bay Packers of offensive coordinator, where we know Matt LaFleur calls all the offensive players. And if Matt LaFleur isn't calling the offensive plays, Aaron Rodgers is calling <laughs> his own plays. Not laughing, oh, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers calling his own plays. That's just how it is. If it isn't right what Matt LaFleur's done, Aaron Rodgers will change it and get some magic. So how has Nathaniel Hackett, with the guys that we're talking about, previously replacing at the Panthers, how has his CV managed to land in that job? And it's proved the inexperience because the offense is what's the issue. And the decision-making of, I think, of, are, are they last in the league in attempts, uh, attempted over 20 yards with throws? They're not. Ooh, I don't know. That's a niche stat. I'm going I'm to have to try and find that now. You they're, carry on talking. They're the, they're, the big, they're the big plays, aren't they? When you're talking about big plays to uh, what you're attempting, they're not, they've got the players. They've got the speed. They've got Judy and Sutton, you know, and they're just not producer for me they're not using the run game and the receivers in the right combination to to be free to use the field and i think that's not down to russell wilson that's down to the play calling from the sideline uh and that that for me comes from Nathaniel hackett and if you move over on to the other side with staley 
the Chargers over the last couple of years have been a catalogue of errors of coaching decisions. They've lost games because of the decisions that the coaches are making rather than Herbert playing bad or not making the right decisions on the field. We know he is. We know, we've seen him play well. We've seen him produce magic. It's So if you take that game, for instance, when I tell you the Broncos did nothing in the second half, they did nothing whatsoever, mate, like nothing at all. And the Chargers only managed to take it to overtime. Uh, the, the Broncos scored 10 points in the first quarter and then the Chargers did nothing. They nearly lost to a team that produced nothing in the whole second half. That, for me, is poor coaching. That, for me, is not getting the job done. So, for me, that, that's why I highlight the coaches for those two teams. Yeah, I'm not overly sure if this is correct because it's it, – firstly, I found a site that said Denver has the most 20-plus yard completions, and I think that was, like, ever – so I was like, okay, that makes complete sense there, Peyton Manning. But at first I was like, well, that's not true because they were number one in the list. But I found on statmuse.com, um, it, it says it's Matt Ryan, but I don't believe that. But then at the same time, I could believe it because he's done a few big chunk plays this year. And it has, I mean, it has uh, Russell Wilson... He's a notable. Well, he's above Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Davis Mills, Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Cooperish, Mark, Marcus Mariota. So he's sort of like lower than middle of the pack. But I don't think that's right. I don't think that's true at all. They're it's not. Inspiring. They're not inspiring on offense, are they? They're not. You know. No, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Here we go. This might show us deep ball passing, twenty plus yards. Passes that travel 20 plus yards. Okay, so Russell Wilson third in that. Oh, wow. They just 40, 40 plus yards. He's he's again quite high, actually. That shocks me. I've watched a lot of their games and I haven't seen the ball being pushed downfield. So he's ninth in 40 plus yards, in 30 plus yards. He's first. This what? In his career or for the season? This is fantasypros.com. This says it says 2022 full season totals, deep ball passing. So what what does he not do well in? Because he's not, not doing well. So how they're not, they're not mate, they're not putting points on the board, they're not getting into the end zone. They've what they scored one touchdown this week. Then they're barely getting over 17 points in their games, are they? Well, red zone attempts. I don't know. I feel like our argument's very much closing in on this in four walls because stat-wise, he seems to be fine. But the eye test is proving to us that it's not going well. So how how is that? I mean, it's, yeah, that is that is crazy. Um, sorry, did we talk much about Justin Herbert? No, well, I haven't got. He's playing through injuries. Um, I've got no issues with him. He's still a quality. Uh, quarterback, there's no, uh, he's not my issue there. And we would be remiss though, actually, to um, to not mention New York, your New York Giants. We gave them a lot of airtime the other day after the Giants Packers game in London. Obviously, you weren't in attendance, I was, you were texting me in it, but I don't know how much of it you watched live due to being on 
your honeymoon and I'm sure it was not allowed to watch the whole game. I'm sure you watched the highlights, but after a win this week against the Ravens, a close win, which helps out my Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm very thankful for you guys beating the Ravens in a game that you were expected to lose, to be honest with you. Um, Thibodeau, cracking out your favourite players, uh, celebration, Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz was at the Tottenham game as well, and I was very like, oh, Andrew would have loved this. Hmm. Um, so uh, how are you feeling about your Giants at the minute? Because I have to say, very impressive. Very impressive. The game the game I admit live, not so impressive, but everything I've seen on highlights and on a red zone, I, I, I really like them. Your defence more than your offence, I do admit. Yeah, if that's what you're getting from when you watch them live, that's what I'm getting from them from the year. Um, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing within the culture and I'm loving mm. how the guys are playing for their coaches. And um, there's guys on the field that are like third string and they're stepping up and they're playing well mm. and they're gelling as a team and, and they feel I feel like they've all got each other's backs and they all just want to win. When you look at how they've won their games... They're cut. They're coming from behind in the in the fourth quarter in the second half and winning those games. And to me, that shows a real good uh, never never give up, never not willing to die uh, team, which we haven't seen from them ever before. I've seen them go out onto the field and just sort of go, ah, it's not working. You know, it's same old, same old, and then just get blown out. But we're not seeing it this time. They're keeping the games tight early on. The defense is, is is the main reason for that. And they're just waiting for something to click. And when it does, the momentum's with them. And then they mm. manage to push through, which is fantastic uh, to see. I'm not saying I'm impressed with them in a way that I think they're like, um, I mean, this is horrible for a, a Giants man to say. I'm not impressed with them like I am impressed with how the Eagles are playing their football when I'm looking at them and going, wow, that's, you know, you're playing some nice ball. I'm looking at the Giants and going, that's some determination, some grit, some culture, some mm. outside of the defence and how well the defence is playing. It's just Saquon on the offence and Daniel Jones not turning the ball over anywhere near as much as he used to. <laughs> and and Dinkin and Duncan, these small little plays to, to keep us the ball moving. There's nothing too flashy. There's nothing overly exciting yet. Mm. So... You know, it, it, it's based around Saquon, but it's it's impressive to watch and it's got me excited. Again, like I think it's more the seeing the players and how they're playing makes me want to like be in there with them and, and 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 cheer and shout and everything like that, which is which is fantastic with what we've had in the previous years. Do you think Daniel Jones has played himself into a starting role in twenty twenty three, or I don't think he's played. No, himself. I, will I will definitely give it to him. He's not got a lot to work with. Like the wide receiving court, you've had a lot of injuries, I admit. Um, Darius Slayton, who was a, a nobody, well, not nobody, he had flashes, was bad last year and injured last year, has nothing at the start of the season, then comes to Tottenham and has a really good game. He was one of the best players on the field for you guys at, at Tottenham. And for the, the Kenny Golladay experiment not working, Sterling Shepard going down injured again. I mean, Daniel Bellinger. Man, he's born out for you. He's, he's looking like a really great tight end for you guys, which you, I, I know you said he was good when you drafted him. Don't you have to gloat about knowing it, all, all about college players? But I, I, I will admit he's not got a lot of help. Yeah, you're right there. But, you know, that, that's that's a common thing with the Giants as well. We've had, mm. 
our carousel of injuries and, and wide receivers over the last three years is just, you, you could never have predicted it. Um, and you're right, he hasn't had the weapons like other teams have had the luxury of, you know, Sterling Shepard out straight away. Um, hasn't had his little Swiss Army knife of Kaderis Tony. Uh, Robinson's only just got back to fitness. We saw him uh, get his touchdown, uh, mm-hmm. first touchdown, which was great to see. So I think what I like from Daniel Jones and the positives I'm taking from it is his completion percentage has risen dramatically and he's not fumbling the ball anywhere near as much. He's not turning it over anywhere near as much as he was in previous years. I think this is real thanks to to, to Dayball. Uh, we knew that this was Dayball's strength coming to us, that he'd be able to sort these issues with Daniel Jones, and he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think you could... if When you get the weapons in there, if it looks a bit more dynamic, I don't think you can say to Daniel Jones, sorry, mate, we've had a, an, a, we've overachieved this year and you were part of that. See you later. But equally, there's always going to be those question marks of whether he can push us to the next level. Now, we'll see later down the line uh, because so far we've played teams that we kind of this year, matchups-wise, kind of should it, should it be competitive and beating. So we'll see where it is and we'll evaluate it at the end of the year, I think, with him because, what, like you said, he hasn't had – we use this excuse every year, don't we? He hasn't had the weapons and he hasn't had the receivers. But like I said, policing percentage go in the right way. Fumbles and turnovers go in the right way. So you can only say you've progressed, which is what we asked from him. So he's got to be putting his hat in the ring to, 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 to continue with the, the starting job. Well, yeah, I definitely agree. And it is definitely very, very nice to have such a knowledgeable New York Giant back on the podcast, back on the franchise tag. Thank you for coming on me today, Andrew. Make sure you guys check out all our podcasts, including the special podcast we put out over the weekend that Gareth has done with Logan Swanson, who is trying to get into the XFL next year. We've got a lot of hopefully XFL content coming out after the NFL season. So make sure you keep an eye on that. He did a fantastic interview with Phoebe Schechter as well, um, who you should all know. So two really good interviews that Gareth has done. So make sure you go and check them out. They're on YouTube and on all social media platforms. And also check out our partners, Off Grid NFL. You all know Johnny by now, who's joined us on the podcast. Some great uh, NFL articles over at the Off uh, Off Grid NFL website. Find them on socials as well. Um, So go and check them all out. Make sure you follow us on social media. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Until then, we'll see you all very much next week. We've got the fancy show returning back to hopefully some sort of normality with Andrew rather than the farce that I've been having to deal with. We've got the Sunday preview show as well this week, which we've finally sort of got off the ground after a very uh, busy uh, first four weeks for all of us involved in the Franchise Tag podcast. But until then, thank you uh, for tonight. We'll see you all again next week.